casual bettors don't like to bet on things not to happen, that tends to create value on things like no safety, no overtime, no two-point conversion, uh, no pick six, no special team or defensive touchdown, things like that. And again, you're laying more juice for it, but you know, in the aggregate, on the average, you will end up making money on that. Hey everybody, this is Kevin Cole, host of the Unexpected Points Podcast. Today, I have Matt Friedman on the podcast. He's been on the podcast a few times. I've been on his podcast a few times. One of my favorite people to talk to when it comes to the process and the execution of prop betting. We'll talk to him again for the draft. Here, we're going to talk a lot about the Super Bowl. The theme here is the commandments of Super Bowl prop betting. So we'll go through five that I've come up with, a few others that Matt adds in there. And then Matt walks me through a number of props that he likes, the rationale behind them. I give him the thumbs up and the thumbs down, mostly thumbs up uh, on those, and he'll walk you through everything there. You should be following Matt if you are not on Twitter. He is at Matt F. The Oracle. He is the director of content at Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros. We go way, way back actually co-hosting a podcast together when we were both doing stuff with Rotoviz, um, the fantasy football website that a lot of us came up on before moving out into other areas of the world. If you were listening to the show for the first time, please, you know, subscribe, go to YouTube too. You can get the full episodes there. Uh, the videos posted at the Unexpected Points YouTube channel. And of course, subscribe to my Substack, unexpectedpoints.substack.com. Lots of great information coming there in the off season. I just published something today where I'm getting point values off of using on-off splits and clustering and all this stuff for receivers and their routes. I'm going to apply that to every non-quarterback position and every facet of play to get points-based valuation metrics for all these different players, which we can then apply to free agency, trading, how much teams are improving in the offseason, um, you know, draft picks, how, you know, look at them, project them forward and how many points they could be adding there to get a really good foundational uh, valuation metric that we can use. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun working all that this offseason. If you have any uh, questions for me, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Kevin Cole, triple underscore. And with all that, let's get to the content. Let's get to Matt Freeman. All right, Mr. Freeman, welcome back to the podcast. I don't know how many times you've been on the podcast, but it has to be near the top. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if we did this exact same episode a year ago. Um, and we're going to talk about some overarching themes of Super Bowl prop betting, but uh, I don't remember if we talked about this last year or not. So if I don't remember, then hopefully the audience won't remember if we're repeating anything too. I feel like if it wasn't last year, we've definitely had the Super Bowl prop conversation. Uh, and I'm sure that, you know, in three to four months, we might end up having the uh, NFL draft prop conversation. <laughs> <I> <laughs> think we could probably do that now to yeah. a certain degree, but that's for the truly, the truly troubled individuals who are already getting in those early, early mock draft prediction bets. You got anything out there? You got anything? You, 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 you sprinkle a little thing on the NFL draft already? 
Yeah, Will Levis, number one. Uh, I got him okay. at a 10 to 1. Uh, there were some sharper people who got him at you know far better odds. They got into those streets before I did. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, in a quarterback class with this much uncertainty, uh, I think you know there's probably some value on the the toolsy type of prospect. So yeah, yeah, I yeah, have yeah. Some, the, the, the Josh Allen effect. We got to yeah, exactly. got to have the Josh Allen effect come through. Um, can you bet on the Bears to actually make? the number one pick as opposed to trade out of it. Cause I need to get my takes. I need to bet on my takes. Not yet. That is okay. not out there. The, the market is still very, like very focused on just one thing. Who goes number one? Uh, yeah. We're starting to see a little bit more out there on the offshore books, but nothing on the domestic books yet. That makes sense. That makes sense. I remember around, I don't know if it's even around this time, a couple of years ago, like the Zach Wilson phenomenon came out of almost, I mean, it kind of came out of nowhere if we were looking back in December-ish, but then it solidified pretty quickly as being the number two pick. So I guess we'll probably get some word in the next couple of months how things work. I'm with you that um, that Bryce Young could fall, could be third, could be QB3 out of mm-hmm. these guys if people just strictly say, you know what, I'm not going to take the six-foot a uh, 192 pound guy who's going to be like chugging gallons of water for five days straight before <laughs> not peeing before the before the combine in order to get up to 215 pounds or whatever he'll end up weighing out weighing in on. yeah he's going to have some massive water retention and i'm skeptical that he's actually even six feet tall yeah yeah I, I, i've seen the uh q draft anon uh photographs where they'll have him like positioned next to drew Brees or something <laughs> He's like two and a half inches short. Of course, the depth perception like skews right. off all those things, but I'm here for it. I'm here for all for all uh, Q and uh, drafting on related content there. Okay, I, I've already turned this into a different podcast. Let's stop. Let's stop with the draft talk. We'll talk about this later, hopefully. Um, let's talk Super Bowl. So it's happening this week. In case anyone was not aware of the fact that that it is happening, um, I've been disconnected to most of football media because I'm working on this like free agency. And, and draft stuff and all this other stuff for beyond the Super Bowl. So I haven't heard anything too crazy. It seems pretty mild, I would say, the the takes going out there. Is that because these are two evenly matched teams, so no one can really make hay with ridiculous claims about you know one team winning that's a, that's a pure big underdog or something like that? Yeah, I think that's probably the case. It's a short spread, one and a half. And, you know, even if you think, oh, the Chiefs should be favored, and, and I do, I still think they should be favored by one and a half. So you're in that general pick em range. You have the two number one seeds. Uh, they won the exact same number of games. They scored the exact same number of points. You know, like it is hard to say one of these teams is clearly much better than the other one. Yeah, I feel like people, it's one of those things where you want to lean, if you're going to do this contrarian sort of thing, maybe you want to lean towards the Eagles a little bit, but then they're favored in, in the, in the right. game, so it doesn't really doesn't really help. Now, after the game, if the Eagles lose, we'll hear all kinds of stuff about how they were fraudulent anyway, and we should have known that they had no chance, and they didn't play anyone all season, and this and that. And then the reverse, if you know, if the Chiefs lose, we'll hear about, you know, you got to have a complete team. You can't just rely on the quarterback. And this, So people really lay into it after the game. But, yeah, going into it, I don't think people have a ton to say. So let's – the props, though, the prop streets are always open uh, and inviting, kind of like uh, Bourbon Street in, in some ways. Uh, <laughs> it's out there for you. So I was going I was going to do a theme of the 10 commandments of prop betting, some process based things, but I couldn't think of five. So it's kind of like um, what was the Mel Brooks movie about uh, the history of the world? 
where he has the 20 commandments and then lightning hits or something hits and then it breaks in half and he's like, uh, the 10 commandments. So the same thing here. I have the, the 10 commandments and then the lightning struck. So I'm saying five because I, I honestly just can't think of five, five more to put on here. But let, I'm going to talk about that first. Get your opinion about these that, that I came up with. And if you want to add anything in, to this list, you can. Yeah. Sound good? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. So commandment number one. Now, this is something, a lot of these are going to apply to all bets, but I think it especially applies to Super Bowl and Super Bowl props and that shop around. So there's so many things being offered, so difficult to price so many different things that you're going to find more differences here than you're going to find on your normal you know, spread or total or even during the regular season sometimes on some of the props there because you're getting into more and more obscure things that are happening here where shopping around become extremely important. What do you say, Matt Freeman? Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, as you mentioned, more markets uh, and more books uh, posting things that they normally wouldn't be posting. Uh, and so you have more opportunities for divergent lines. And I would say as uh, I mean, it doesn't um, go against anything you just said, but, you know, adding on to that. I think the way in which you shop around is important. Like look at some of these sharper books and then you can see where they specifically diverge from some of the softer books in these markets. Like that is really the price discrepancy. I think you want to exploit versus just like if you have two softer books that have divergent lines, that doesn't mean as much if you have a, you know, a, a bookmaker or like a market maker that has a line uh, that means much more. What about like working backwards from traditionally how people would maybe work to go and place their bets? Meaning I remember reading the the Logic of Sports Betting mm -hmm. uh, book, and I thought one of the interesting things they had there was it was almost like you try to find the market inefficiencies first, then you choose amongst those as opposed to saying, you know, I really like Travis Kelsey under and then going and shopping for the best price. Yeah. So it's, I would say in a general market, let's just say normal NFL game, I think it makes sense to survey the market first. It's not as fun that way. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, less, exactly. it's less takey, but yeah. it, it probably is like the better way to make money. The thing is we have seen an explosion of uh, Super Bowl props over the past five years. And so it actually is just pretty hard, I think, at this point to do uh, a general survey of the entire Super Bowl prop market. Like you can get lost in it, especially when you start price comparing, because the thing is, like, even if you can uh, get a sense of, of the market at one book, a lot of the different books aren't they're not very good at organizing the props. And so even finding the props is actually for some books kind of hard. So. Uh, like it's the smarter approach, the more profitable approach to have more of a market focus versus a take or player focus. But it's just it's harder. I think it's a little bit harder to find what you're looking for when you start comparing across uh, across sports books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's there's, there's just so many different tangents and strings and other areas out there that bringing it all together to figure that out can be can be difficult. Uh, OK, now my second one is just like blindly go under. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe just because this whole phenomenon that books price things in order to get 50% of the action on each side is like vastly overstated. But when we're talking about the Super Bowl, it becomes more of a thing. We're talking about smaller markets where they're not as confident in their own pricing. It probably becomes more of a thing. And people like to bet for things to happen as opposed to things not to happen. 
Yeah, I mean, this one is very correlated with the the fourth commandment, which you just teased there. But, you know, people yeah. like to bet on things that will make them excited. And you have a ton of casual bettors, recreational bettors coming in for the Super Bowl. No event a- attracts this type of better the way that the Super Bowl does. And this kind of person is betting. Yeah, they like to win, but they're betting more for fun or just as much for fun as they are to win. And there's nothing fun about winning on an under. Like, except for the extra money that goes into your sportsbook account. Like, sure, that's fun. But like, like if you win on an over, you get like a thrill. You get like some adrenaline right when that happens. You don't get a similar, uh, a similar rush of energy when you win on an under. It's just that the game ends and then you have more money in your account. So like, there's just this bias for betting overs with a significant portion of the market. And I think that... Like that alone, but there could be other reasons too why the under tends to be sharp. But even just that alone creates value on the unders. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, if you're like me, you can get a slight rush if you know people you're watching the game with have taken the opposite side. And then you could kind of like put it in their face a little bit afterwards. You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm uh, a wet blanket. So <laughs> like, I actually like, you know, <laughs> it's not even like I'm trying to be contrarian. It's just the way that I'm built. So yes. uh, I don't mind like uh, watching people fail. I get a little bit of a kick out of that. Yeah, he's you're playing the don't pass on yeah. uh, craps tables when you yeah. go to Vegas. I know, I know how you operate. Okay, so that's number two. Let's go to number three here. Um, and this is one that I actually do not have as much data on it. I tried to look at it a little bit more this year versus the past, and I think it's true. I mean, I know bet unders late is true, so then the reverse would probably be true too, just because things start to move up and not always. Sometimes there's a like a there's a there's a little bit of a U shape here. Sometimes maybe it, it goes it goes it starts a little bit higher, then goes lower, and then goes back higher again. The totals by the time you get the Super Bowl. But I think generally, if you can pick off some early unders, I mean, some early overs, if you want to place overs as opposed to waiting to the last moment, most likely is going to be better for the underside. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I would say that this this guideline isn't quite as applicable anymore. Uh, in part because you know, there are so many books, so many different types of wagers that people can make now that some of them are just going to be mispriced. And if you're not hitting it, someone sharp will, and that will move the line where it's like, it, it doesn't matter the dynamic of bet overs early, unders late. Like if there's something that's just mispriced, you should probably bet it. Where I think it makes sense to bet overs early, Uh, especially overs is uh, when there's something informational at stake. So let's say like, we're not certain if a guy is going to be playing or not. And you think you have a better read than the market does on his availability and how that will impact the, uh, you know, whether he actually gets more carries or uh, someone else might get more targets because he's going to be out, whatever the situation is. If you think that there's an angle for an over on a player because of some sort of injury information especially uh with the super bowl i think it makes sense to bet that early because you can get a jump on that ahead of the rest of the market coming in yeah yeah maybe this is more so um when we talk about waiting for betting under later when we're talking about your your standard you know 
for lack of a better word, you're like your basic bitch props, you know, where you're just like, I'm taking Kelsey under or something like that. You know, you're just I, like, whatever. Yeah. I will say that there's, and this also ties into the the fourth commandment that you have, but um, I do think that you will have a lot of people who like betting on larger odds for different things. So it's like, yes, I do want to bet that there will be a safety and I'm going to do that at 10 to one odds. Right. Yeah. And you'll have a whole bunch of people come in on something like that and they drive the price down on betting something like that. And so yeah. you can maybe see value on the other side of that proposition as you get closer to kickoff. Okay. Um, well, this, 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 this is one you've already talked about it multiple times and, and the safety example probably goes in here. So betting on these things not to happen and, and, or even the more important pieces, betting on things that are very short odds, meaning you're betting on minus, you know, you're, you're putting up a lot to win a little because no one, for the same reason, no one likes to do that. Um, so typically yeah. if we're, if they're talking about balancing some sort of action there, it may be priced a little bit in your favor and it feels bad. It feels bad, but you know, probably the greatest sports bet, you know, of all time may have been, uh, betting against, um, McGregor. why am I forgetting their names now? Yeah. McGregor, McGregor. Yeah. Yeah. McGregor versus, versus, uh, uh, Floyd Mayweather. Mayweather. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but you had to, you had to put up a lot in order to have the privilege of doing that. And people like to just be on the other side for the long odds and the big payout. Yeah. So. You know, betting on no safety at DraftKings right now, that's uh, minus 2,000. And someone could say like, well, there's no way I want to put like 20 units to win a unit. Or it's like, okay, well, fine. A couple of things. One, it's all based on probability, right? Like that is where value is found in any given bet, whether it's long odds or short odds. It's all just implied probability. And so, you know, at minus 2,000 odds, you're looking at something that's about like a 95, 95.25% chance of happening. And uh, I would say, okay, the probability of getting no safety is probably more like 97 to 98%. So like, that's where you, that's where you win. Like long-term, that's where you win is finding something that is mispriced by two or three percentage points. And yeah, you're not going to win a lot by doing it, but like, there's still some value there. Now you can also find value in something that's like, okay, there's only like a 20% chance of this happening in terms of like the market value. But I think there's a 25% chance of it happening. So I'm going to bet on it. But uh, again, because of what we talked about, people don't like to bet, especially casual bettors don't like to bet on things not to happen. That tends to create value on things like no safety, no overtime, no two point conversion, uh, no pick six, no special team or defensive touchdown, things like that. Uh, there just tends to be some value in those markets. And again, you're laying more juice for it, but you know, in the aggregate, on the average, you will end up making money on that. Uh, agree. Now, the one thing that you don't, I'm trying to find this here, the one thing that you don't want to lay odds on, and just to get back to... Um, draft talk for a second is um safeties to go in the first round potentially <laughs> what's that what was that bet that you had where Trevon you were like morig. Uh, Trevon morig yeah yeah future hall for... of famer Trevon morig <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. that was funny when you're just i was like you're like i know this is uh, minus 400 but let me tell you okay uh anyway we'll we'll, we'll... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maximal to, to, pain there had yeah. to bring that one up uh okay and then last that i have on here is focus on the props that are hardest to price. Now, I'm not, this one that I threw in there, I do think there is a 
a push pull here, a give take, a risk reward, or whatever you a yin yang, whatever you want to see, you want to say on this about like not spending too much time trying to figure something out for a smaller market necessarily that maybe you don't even have an idea of how to price it as well as, as you think you have. But at least there's something out there where you have all these books trying to do too much that you can catch them in certain areas. Yeah, uh, I think that's I think that's a good one. Um, and it is, I would say, like the caveat of like, yeah, do you think you have a decent way of being able to price this? Um, and you probably do. Like a lot of these things, like if even if you're not pricing it perfectly, you don't need to be precise. You just need to be good enough. And sometimes it's just like looking back at some historical data that you can get from PFR or something like that. Um, so yeah, I think focus on some of the props that um, that might not be immediately intuitive. And so one category of this would be like the cross sport props. Uh, like a lot of books will post something like this where it's sort of like number of first downs that this team gets versus like number of points scored by LeBron James in this particular basketball game, right? So the cross sport props, like those can be pretty, pretty profitable because like the book has to do like good pricing on both of those. Uh, and especially if there's something going on with the other sport, like this is going to be the last thing that they remember to adjust, like let's say like LeBron James tweaks his hamstring or something and he's going to play, but he's going to be limited or whatever it is. Like uh, this is going to be the last prop that they, that they update out of everything. So there could be some value on, on stuff like this. What do you think about non-offensive props? So maybe we'll just expand mm -hmm. a little bit here. Yeah. Kicking, punting, mm -hmm. things like that. Do you think there's any value to be had there, especially if you have a market that has two sides to it? Yes, um, but increasingly not. So I would say like five years ago, you could be more profitable betting on stuff like fill goals and punts and tackles and sacks than you can now. And part of it is because the books didn't price these things out. They didn't offer props on those the way that they consistently do on a weekly basis now. So I think they are still more exploitable, but not as exploitable as they used to be. Um, and one, one commandment that I just kind of thought of as you were asking that question there, I would say like, be sure not to over correlate because like there's, you could look at the board and say like, oh, I think this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. But they're all basically tied to the same thing. So if you get one thing wrong, you could get all of those props wrong. Uh, and so I would say like, you know, this, and this ties into like, I guess yet another commandment, like bet within your bankroll. Uh, but like really don't over correlate what it is that you're betting on for the game or at least if you're doing it know that you're doing it yeah yeah i mean that would be like a investing type of mantra or something like that that you would also go into if you have a certain edge on different props just like vs had or a certain edge let's say on different stocks if you thought you had a certain edge on different stocks the you can you can have the same expected return with less risk, less variance by just lowering the correlation between those those things. Now you're less likely to hit the big time, but over time your expected return wouldn't be any different. It would just be you'd suffer uh, fewer swings in the yeah. meantime. So right, if you had two different things, you know you'd lean towards something where the correlations are are lower. Just makes more sense if you're thinking about it from 
from that sort of standpoint of, of lowering standard deviation, lowering variance, and keeping your, uh, your return about the same. Now, single game props are the are the thing, right? Everything. Now we just have one. We just have the Super Bowl, so you don't have to worry <laughs> as much about about single game props. Do you have any commandments around the single game props that they're just like building in for people now to get them to click buttons at this point and pairing things together? Yeah. So for for the parlays where you can combine the idea of okay, like which team wins, and then you know does the over the under hit, and then you're correlating between different players. I would say like you we want to do it. Okay, just sort of like blanket big picture statement. In a lot of these, there's not any value. So yeah. for a lot of them, I would say I wouldn't be investing in them. But if you do get a good a pretty good projection set right of of like player projections or something like that and you see okay i think the prop market in general is a little low on these players then there's an edge a theoretical edge to correlating all of that and putting it together in a parlay um and i would say like have your kind of your your basic idea it's a little bit like uh, building a a roster like a DFS lineup for a GPP, like the idea of how it is that this plays out, to where you kind of have to get only one thing right or a couple of things right, and if that happens, then there's a good chance of all of these things hitting. So I would say like that's kind of the big picture advice on it, and I still don't go all that into the same game parlays. Like that's just not the way I enjoy spending my time, um, but. If you have the, I would say like, if you're looking at a good projection set and you see edges on the different bets you're making and you can see how they all correlate or like dominoes in a row, then I would say, I think there's probably value in it. Okay. Let's talk about some of the different uh, markets within in here. Maybe we'll start with MVP because MVP is kind of fun. Um, I've got a little... bet. I've got a yeah. galaxy brain bet. Well, let for, me, let me, let me think, okay. Yeah, yeah. I expected, expected. Um, I'm a little surprised, and I'm uh, that I'm looking around here. That Jalen Hurts is got shorter odds than Patrick Mahomes on this. I guess from my perspective, I could see the Eagles winning, and they're only projected to win slightly more often by the markets than the Chiefs are. Like if, if you divide up all of those Eagles wins, I guess I could just see the MVP going a lot of different, a lot more places than quarterback for the Eagles than I would with the Chiefs. I'm a little surprised by that. Your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely agree, especially with Jalen Hurts being injured. I think it's easier to see how Miles Sanders could be MVP. Um, Not easier than Jalen Hurts, but just easier in general. Uh, And I think it's also possible to see how um, someone like A.J. Brown could win. Because if a pass catcher wins, it needs to be like a Julian Edelman situation a few years ago where he gets a really high percentage of the total yards, maybe scores a touchdown or two. And I think you could see something like that with A.J. Brown or you know maybe even Devontae Smith. Right. Like you could see how one of those guys just absolutely balls out. Jalen Hurts with his injured arm throws for only like 220 yards or something like that. Uh, but like 120 of that goes to AJ Brown and he gets two touchdowns. You could see how he wins MVP. So I agree. I think it's easier to imagine a world in which the Eagles win uh, and Jalen Hurts doesn't get MVP uh, in comparison to the Chiefs winning and Mahomes not getting MVP. I mean, I would also say that. 
I think I think there's a uh, I might be this this might be overstated. I uh, say I think there's a better chance of a defensive player on the Eagles potentially getting MVP in some sort of matchup where they shut down Mahomes than vice versa. But I guess there's some chance that you could get a defensive touchdown um, or an interception or a pick six or something on the other side, but they just throw the ball a lot less often. So for me, throwing the ball less often means less opportunities for the defense to probably get a pick six because something like a fumble six isn't as big of, of a deal. And I think we have had some defensive backs win, eh, not that often in in the Super Bowl by getting you know an interception or two how touchdowns are a big deal though I would say for the skill position players right yeah in order to get there I mean you mentioned Edelman but that's just because like everyone sucked basically yeah yeah <laughs> the yes. entire game so maybe that's a possibility like everyone sucks might be a possibility but traditionally I'm looking here at when wide receivers I mean Cup got it last year by just having a dominant game I guess we'll be interesting to see if something like that could happen again and then the past we're going only back to Santonio Holmes interesting I mean I, I kind of forgot about that one Heinz Ward boy Pittsburgh Steelers a lot of uh <laughs> they, they're getting some love in here Dion Branch that's, again that's that's an everyone sucks uh yeah uh <laughs> award right there but yeah there aren't a lot of wide receivers on on this list honestly so I don't know I, I do like the running back thing because then you just get touchdowns right I mean we yeah. almost had Super Bowl MVP uh uh crap Sony Michelle, no Sony Michelle, or uh, the Chiefs. People were saying it was going to should have been Damien Williams. Williams. He should have gotten it. He should have gotten it. Right. So we almost had that, and that's the like Miles Sanders case, right? Yeah. Yeah. My my twenty to one ticket is still burning from Damian Williams not getting MVP. Oh, he just ran around the outside and ran in for a touchdown. Come on. Yeah, his his second touchdown. He had like over one hundred and forty scrimmage yards. I think one hundred and fifty scrimmage yards. Whatever. Anyway. Anyway, um, yeah, I I think you know it's easier to imagine someone else other than Hertz getting it relative to Mahomes. Like if the Chiefs win, I think it's you know I, what would you put the probability of the Chiefs if the Chiefs win the probability of Mahomes getting MVP because that impacts a lot of the pricing. I think it's yeah. like upwards of eighty percent. I might say even like ninety percent. Yeah, I think that's I think that's probably true. I mean. I don't think uh, we'll see how good this Eagles defense actually is. I mean, it's looked incredibly strong sometimes against guys like Kirk Cousins this year, but other times not nearly as strong. Mahomes was a little flustered even against the 49ers uh, early in that game where he had to end up playing. So if he gets a lot of pressure on him, maybe there's a way that someone else comes in there. But you're right. I mean, the pass catchers, anyone but Travis Kelsey is almost a zero percent chance to to win. Even the running backs, you're splitting it up. So, like, you're going to have to get two touchdowns probably to one of those running backs when they don't even necessarily yeah. run it a lot. Um, so, I agree there. Maybe there's some chance of like Chris Jones if he goes off and it's a low scoring game is probably. I mean, Chris Jones might be third. I would think, yeah. even though he's I, below some of these other guys. In Super yeah, Bowl, in, in my in my shooting from the hip calculations on this, Mahomes yeah. is like Mahomes. Mahomes is ninety percent. Uh, yeah. Kelsey, I would say is like 6%. Like he's yeah. got to have like a hundred yards and two touchdowns or something like that. Uh, I think Chris Jones is something like 3%. And then here's the bet. Harrison Butker. Like there's, <laughs> I, I know it's so stupid. It is so stupid, but I will say, okay, imagine a game in which both quarterbacks are injured. Both defenses are actually pretty good. And it is a lower scoring Super Bowl than anyone anticipates and Harrison Bucker has like three or four field goals. 
both like or multiple from uh, 50 yards, and one of them is a game winner. Like he's 350 to one to win Super Bowl MVP on points bet. Like yeah. I I think there's value in that. Where's the, the what's up with the Jake Elliott erasure? Uh, no, I have I have more <laughs> faith. I have more faith in Harrison Butker, and this this dovetails with my theory of the Chiefs being undervalued in this spot. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That one's. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's that's definitely possible. I like the chaos. It's not going to happen. It is I'll, not going to happen. But I'm saying I can see the path. Like as the, long as it happens more than once out of every 350, you said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The market times. is pricing it as if it's you know like a 0.25 percent chance of happening, and I think it's yeah. more like half a percent chance of happening, or maybe even one percent chance of happening. A half yeah, percent you, chance of happening. If yeah. you um, if you bet on a kicker to win MVP every year and you uh, <laughs> cryogenically freeze your <laughs> your brain, and then maybe uh, in a couple hundred years you'll come back and have a nice little profit waiting for you there. So that's that's an interesting one. Um, do you, I saw this thing, and it's again, I think these things are just marketing. I think like some. A sports book employee like places these bets just so they can relay it to uh, some reporter and then they'll tweet it out. But I did see in a similar, in a kind of similar vein with chaos that someone was betting on backup quarterbacks to win MVP. And I was a little bit surprised that the odds, I don't even have it in front of me, but the odds for, for Minshew versus uh, Chad Henney were pretty close. Like I thought Minshew might have a lot higher odds, honestly, in a way. I guess I see him as being a better guy than than Henny. I mean, they had he had a pretty good game against the Cowboys when they went to Dallas this year. Like a little bit more upside is that. Um, but that just seems like burning money. So what any any thoughts on that for your chaos pick? <laughs> no. I, no. I, have no, I have no thoughts on that. Okay, good. Yeah, I don't think it's worthy of having thoughts. But again, I, I feel like this is just some sportsbook employee places these and bets, and then they they email uh, the reporters and say, "Hey, look, someone bet on Gardner Menchu at uh, 150 to one." Um, okay. Anyone else? Any 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 other players here? I saw some. I think all the prices have gotten a lot better. Some people are betting on. The problem is there's just so many damn eagles who could potentially on their on their front that could potentially do something yeah. that they end up like chopping up the pot so it was so much. Like even if they got maybe two strip sacks on uh Patrick Mahomes, which again, Patrick Mahomes doesn't take sacks also. So that's yes. maybe that's another thing to think about when we're thinking about this one here. Um yeah, I don't know how you play that necessarily. You know what? Since you mentioned right there that Patrick Mahomes doesn't take sacks, I think uh I I do have a prop here. Uh, okay. I think that um, so there was a prop of which team will have more sacks, Chiefs or Eagles, and Chiefs plus one hundred. Like I'm not exactly betting that, but I'm betting one that is correlated with that. Chiefs over two and a half sacks plus one hundred at DraftKings, and I would say shop around. You can probably find a better number out there now, but I'm just I'm seeing it now on DraftKings at plus one hundred. Uh, Jalen Hurts takes two and a half sacks a game on average. You know, he's number eight in the league in terms of most sacks taken by a quarterback. And, and that's without him. That's without him. Yeah. Dropping back all that yeah. often. What yeah. happens if it's a game state where, uh, the chiefs are ahead and the Eagles actually have to throw the ball a little bit more. And I will say like one thing that has me on the chiefs, like people are talking about how awesome this offensive line is for the Eagles and like, okay, sure. Like it's great. Fantastic. They are really good in run blocking. They're pretty good at pass blocking, but Jalen hurts takes too many sacks. Like 
he makes his offensive line look worse than it is in pass blocking. They were number 21, I believe, in adjusted sack rate uh, this year, number 24, and I think raw sack rate. Uh, like Jalen Hurts can be sacked, and uh, you know, with with Chris Jones in the interior and then a pretty competent rotation of perimeter edge rushers. Uh, I don't know. I like over two and a half at even money. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I like that. I like the differential. I like, I like the actuality between what the perception may be on the pass rush for these two teams and the offensive lines for these two teams. I think Mahomes was under a lot of pressure last week. So, so maybe that's part of the perception there. I, I heard, um, I've heard some people say that, you know, the the Eagles have a a historically great pass rush. And I'm like, are we really just taking sacks? Really just going to say how many sacks you have in a season and say, it's, I mean, it's good. Don't get me wrong. But like, yeah. there's a lot that goes on when we're talking about sacks there. And they had like one of the easiest schedules. They were ahead the entire season. They had so many tailwinds when it comes to their sack production there that if anything, I would just blindly kind of fade their pass rush versus like you're saying on the other side uh the chiefs have gotten a lot better on their pass rush and if they're playing from ahead uh they can peel back their ears and we also know that uh i'm not as familiar with gannon on how much he he brings pressure but we know spags will love to bring pressure if, if it comes down to it and will probably do so yeah and here's the thing the chiefs were number 14 in blitz rate this year so it's not like they were going all that hard and yeah. they were still top eight in a number of like uh, of pass rushing metrics like hurry rate knockdown rate adjusted sack rate they were top eight so and, and they you know they were number two behind only the eagles the eagles had 70 sacks in the regular season the chiefs had 55 you know like the chiefs can get after the quarterback as well yeah, yeah. And even within the division, I mean, whatever, Russell Wilson loves to eat sacks, but Carr and Herbert are particularly good about not taking sacks. So they had to face them yeah. a number of times this year. Josh Allen, they play, he doesn't really take sacks. They face Tom Brady, he doesn't really take sacks. So I don't know. They, yeah, they, they didn't have the easiest schedule this year for compiling sacks, too. So I, I like that. What 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 else we got here? Let me let me look through. The categories here. What about touchdowns versus yards versus whatever other sorts of things we can we can do? Do we have any opinions on these relative markets? I mean, there there are a ton of things to go through. I would just say, like you know, just go through it, and you know, if you feel like wow, you have great some advice sort of there. There you go, guys. Nice. I, I just thanks for joining well, us, Matt. Uh, we'll I, I I don't you know like this is like the minutia of like digging what, through touchdowns it. Touchdowns versus like, yards. I Give me one with touchdowns or yards. Which ones do we like better? Oh, it all depends. It all depends. Uh, okay. Uh, I will. Okay. I have one that I like that. Okay. Is... Yeah, yeah. Just give me the picks. Let's start touting. Let's start touting. Yes, okay. Let's forget about right. this process nonsense. Let's tout. Okay. Well, what do you think of Pacheco versus Sanders? Because I think people are acting as if like Clyde Edwards Alaire is going to take a lot of carries or Sanders, whatever. Like I just I think Pacheco is undervalued in almost any market where he's compared to Sanders. I'm just going to put that out there as something like a statement of truth for me. So yeah, no, I, I would agree. I, I thought about. I mean, I was thinking Sanders was a bit overvalued in a lot of markets going into last week, and then you know whatever the 
fucking 49ers fell apart. So <laughs> it didn't, that, that didn't help. But I'm sticking with it a bit. So I'll give you that. And, yeah, you know, so for, I, for Pacheco, I, have Pacheco. I mean, that's why you draft a running back in the first round, of course, is so you can feed him in this in this circumstance. Yeah. So Pacheco is plus 210 to lead the game in rushing. Sanders is favored. Uh, I think Pacheco, if he not favored, should at least be like a co-favorite or like much closer with Sanders. And you can also make a bet on Pacheco versus Sanders uh, rushing straight up. Pacheco plus 16 and a half rushing yards versus Sanders. I like that. Like I have them projected for almost the exact same number of carries in this game. I don't, I don't think Sanders should be giving 16 and a half yards to Pacheco. I wonder if there's any, this is okay. This is galaxy. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going on to another galaxy here, but you know, like when, like when Travis Kelsey is lined up and he's doing the wildcat, he just never gives up the ball. Cause he's like, this is my one chance to run. So I'm just going to take it every, every, every single time or very rarely gives up the ball. I do wonder on like RPO offenses, do quarterbacks like in super important games, keep the ball more often. Do you think there's any chance? Do you think there's any chance that that's true? That he's like more often, Jalen will be like, you know what? I I, I want to take this because this is the super, this is the Super Bowl as opposed to give it up to Sanders. Maybe the injury plays into that, but it's just a galaxy brain thought I had. It could be like a similar sort of instinct where it's like the stakes are higher for every single carry, so therefore you want to keep it more. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I. I've never done the RPO research, but what I will say is that like, it's just known for people who are in the prop streets that uh, rushing props for quarterbacks should go up. Like rush, rushing yardage for quarterbacks goes up in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. So yeah, yeah you could see Jalen Hurts taking a few more carries away from Miles Sanders. I mean, because generally it's probably... Okay, if you're if you're Jay, if you're just thinking about this like intuitively, if you're Jalen Hurts during the regular season, there probably are fringe cases for when you should be keeping the ball that you're not because you're just like I don't want to like take an extra three hits a game that I don't mm-hmm. have to take, and I'm just going to hand it off to Miles Sanders. But then when it comes to the playoffs or the Super Bowl, you might flip the knob and say, you know what, I'm going to take those ones that are probably actually even helping the team a little bit mm-hmm. by taking it that I, that I wouldn't do do otherwise. Anyway, just a just a thought there. Um, and, and what what let's, let's get back to the tout streets though. What, what else? What else you going to tout for me? Okay, so I I want your thoughts on this. I would say in yeah. general, like your commandment number four, or like the combined number two, number four, bet on unders, bet on things not to happen. One yeah. exception I would say we might want to consider is total players to have a pass attempt in this game over two and a half, because like this is the spot where if there's going to be any trickeration, right? Like you save it for the Super Bowl, and it's not uncommon for us to see, like, think of like the Philly special fake punts, whatever. Like, it's not two, two non quarterback passes in that Philly game. Also, Tom Brady, yeah, ah, right. So I know, close, I know. So, so it's not uncommon for us to see a non quarterback have a pass attempt in this game, and we do have two injured quarterbacks. So, like, I would say there's more of a possibility in this game of seeing a backup quarterback get a pass attempt than we would have in your typical NFL game. So, Who have we totally- see throw a pass for these for these teams. I don't know if that matters. That's probably an overplayed angle, but even even so, I'm trying to think of who's thrown a pass for these teams. Has Kadarius Tony thrown a pass? I feel like he's a pass thrower for some reason. I uh, I don't believe he's thrown a pass. Uh, and also, like Kadarius Tony, Mr. Glass, like they cannot <laughs> count on him to to be out there on a trick play. I was I, I heard that was a steal that trade even with that this offseason. Even though I was like, you realize there's like a 10 percent chance he's actually gonna 
be able to be on the field. He's going to be the guy like t- five years from now would be like yards per route run yards per yes, route run. You exactly. know? It's like, yeah, but he never runs more than 10 routes a game. Um, okay. Who, I guess that probably doesn't matter. It's probably an overplayed, overplayed angle, but I do like it. I do think if you have quarterbacks though, the throwback to the, <laughs> to the quarterback, like maybe you could throw back to Jalen hurts, but Mahomes, you might not want to do that since he's kind of a little bit injured ish there. Hmm. It's interesting. It's interesting. Jump pass, Kelsey. Jump pass on the goal line to someone, Derrick Henry style. I like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think yeah. that's in play. We have seen Tommy Townsend uh, attempt a pass this year on a fake punt. Um, and I would just say, like, Sirianni, like, he feels like the kind of coach who would do something like that, especially as, like, an homage to the Philly special. Like, I could see them doing something. So, yeah, yeah I don't I, know. I like that. I like that. Yeah, that's, like, the one area where I'm going to be like, you know what? I'll be a little optimistic here. And, uh, you know, plus 150, I would say, like, if you model this out, it's like there's no value in that number. But, like, I think the model, like, doesn't take into account that this is the game where they're throwing the kitchen sink at everything here. So, uh, I, I would say that's the one area where I'm a little bit optimistic. Um, Eagles players with a rush attempt. And this is also kind of going into the idea of some sort of trick play. Um, four and a half is the number that is out there. And it's plus 160 to the over. And so obviously Hertz, Sanders, Gainwell, Scott, those are the, those are the guys. But then, like, is there some sort of trick play? Uh, and if that happens, you can see someone else getting a carry. Um, I think, you know, AJ Brown, Devonte Smith, uh, Zach Pascal, Quez Watkins, like they have receivers there that they could use on end arounds or like jet sweep type of thing. So like I could see at plus money, uh, a fifth player for the Eagles getting a carry. Do you think there's any chance? I mean, are there any markets? I'm not these may not be necessarily fall into that category, but I was just thinking generally like the direction the game has gone. And we're talking about two teams, like you said, who just generally are willing to do things that are a little bit out there. Um, even during the regular season, as we saw with like the, the chiefs in particular, what they're willing to do. Is there any chance that markets don't know for sure versus you know 10 years ago where teams would be much less likely in a way to step outside of the box in these circumstances can you phrase that again <laughs> <laughs> this is what i was where you're just you're, you're thinking and talking at the same time i'm saying i would say just on your regular season game right yeah. between these two teams there would be a higher chance of them doing something like getting an extra player to pass the ball, running with a player who traditionally wouldn't run this and that. So the pricing for that may be very off versus, you know, a Super Bowl 10 years ago where maybe you up the the nod a little bit for in the Super Bowl, they do these things a little bit more often. But now we're in a whole different ball game as like every team has two or three of these plays that they've drawn up. And this is when they're going to want to unload them, especially the Eagles didn't have a chance to unload them last week. Yes. Also, if they did have a play. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think the market, like if you build a model based on something that happens in the regular season, it doesn't capture some of the chaos and randomness that you naturally see in the playoffs. So I, I think it's for some things, it's fine to kind of use what we saw in the, the regular season as like the baseline. But for other things like this, um, I would say like more for like the tails, uh, it doesn't make sense. OK, what do you think about these squares? Have you looked at these at all? No. 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 Okay. I, I only have so much time. <laughs> yeah. Life. I mean, I'm it not, seems I'm like, a, it seems like an, it may be an interesting exercise, but yeah. then 
who knows? Like, but my, my, my assumption is that someone's run the numbers on this and you're probably not going to find any value on these, but at least that's something that was a little bit interesting there. What about like halves, quarters, anything else uh, on a smaller time frame? first play, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think um, I can see taking a position on, uh, on, well, I was going to say on chiefs, like in the, the first quarter, um, but that's just a little more like kind of instinctual that like they've been there before. So they, they have the experience. And then the Eagles, like the second quarter is when they have smashed this year, but they haven't been nearly as good in the first quarter. So I could see a situation where the chiefs get out ahead in the first quarter and then the Eagles are able to even it up in the second quarter. But both of these teams, deferral yeah. teams, isn't everyone doing that now? Yeah, everyone kind of, defers. Yeah. It annoys me. Um, Cause I don't think there's any benefit to doing it. Um, hey, I I've got uh, another one that has to do with rushing for the Eagles. Sure. Uh, the number that I'm seeing for team rushing yards is 144 and a half at DraftKings at minus 110, and that feels high to me. I have this projected at 130, but I don't know if you have an opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, it's I guess just instinctually, it's something that I would rather go under than go over on for a lot of the reasons we talked about. I mean, I also have the Chiefs as a one and a half point favorite. I also think that there's a possibility if the Eagles offense gets, I mean, I think what people don't necessarily understand sometimes about the the running game is like, you need to convert first downs in order to continue moving in order to keep that running game going. And I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll see what ends up, what ends up happening on, on this one. Um, but I like that generally, is there anything you can think of that's related to like fourth down or any sort of other game management ish sort of situations we could think about. I mean, I guess a fourth down going for a fourth down is a substitute for a field goal sometimes. So maybe there's, there's something to that for the, the Eagles versus the chiefs, but I'm trying to think of any other way to play the Sirianni will go for it on fourth down angle a little bit more. Well, I think that would maybe lead more towards the idea of um, taking the over on what is the shortest field goal in the game. So thinking of like, if both of these teams are close, they're going for it, right? They're, they're in the mindset of we need to score points. And so I believe like, I, I think I, I saw I 33 to, yards somewhere. Yeah, I think, I think 26 and a half is okay. the, the shortest that they have for field goal. So like over or under, and I would maybe be inclined to take the over on that. Cause I think if these teams are like that close to the goal line, they're likely to go for it. I mean, I, I don't trust Andy Reid though, but that goes into your Harrison Butker. Uh, it, does. It, it does. It does. He'll be Butker will just be piling up those field yeah. goals early in the game and then gets that game winner to end. Um, okay. Interesting there. Uh, well, what else, what else am I missing here? Okay, so what do you think of the Jalen Hurts injury? Like, how severe do you think that is? Because if you think it's severe, know. then I think there are a lot of angles that could be. Played. Why does so he keep f- running the ball though? Like, I thought I thought it was severe. I thought I was I thought it was underpriced the severity of it the last two weeks, not because it was going to necessarily affect on a play by play basis his ability to you know gain yards. He seems to be willing to do it. I thought it was more getting knocked out of the game risk was being was being underpriced. So I don't know. I guess that could still yeah. exist. Okay. Yeah. I, I think he's willing to run because he can't throw. Like I oh, I think that's I you know like I think his Shots shoulder fired. 
Well, it's it's not like he like in general he can't throw. Like he was a good quarterback this year until oh, you mean he, like until his he arm suffered the shoulder injury. Throw. Like yeah, like his okay. arm is hurt. Like his shoulder. Like he doesn't like his a dot has dropped down since he returned true. from injury. That is true. He's not airing it out as much when he's throwing it deep. He's not as accurate as he was before. So I would say like under like uh thirty eight and a half, thirty seven and a half long yards for longest completion for Jalen Hurts. And okay. so like, yeah, maybe there's the possibility of, you know, like AJ Brown getting a seven yard slant and then just turning it into a 50 yard gain. But like, I think that's how this hits or like a screen pass to Kenny Gainwell or something like that. But I don't think this is nearly as at risk as it would have been early in the year of Jalen Hurts throwing the ball 40 or 40 yards down the field and that turning into a completion. Like, I don't think we're going to see a lot of long attempts. Do you think that affects the relative usage of any of these guys here? I mean, I guess I would assume AJ Brown would be someone more down the field. And the, but I think a lot of people are kind of hip to the fact that Devontae Smith has been targeted more often now than Brown has been. Um, hmm. I don't know. I'm just thinking about how that could affect the relative distribution of targets also. Yeah, I mean, I would say like whatever the the A dot is, like I think the guy who might be most impacted is uh Dallas Goddard. Like they do use him stretching the seam a decent amount. So like I have an under on him, under uh four and a half receptions in this game at plus one thirty. Uh I haven't projected for four point four. So like pretty much like right in line with the market, but getting plus odds at what I think is like a coin flip is pretty decent. Okay, I like that. Anything else you got for me? Yeah, uh, Justin Watson. I mean, of course, I'm going to be talking about like the, the number four wide receiver on a team. But yeah, like Justin Watson, uh, whether who's you're the going, number who's the number three wide receiver? McCall Hardman still, I guess. I mean, in some theory, like Hardman or Kadarius Tony. Um, yeah. I guess Watson is really more the number three, and Tony rotates in. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would think- say Watson. I was just going to say, I think Watson's more important than Tony is. Honestly. I mean, he yeah, can at least get air yards. Like I can at least Tony gets air more yards. targets on a per yeah. route basis. Watson is just out there blocking and then running wind sprints. But you know, well, he, he does. Got, he got some targets though. He doesn't catch them necessarily, but he get, he well, can get to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that gets yeah. so. I have him under one and a half receptions, minus one twenty at Bet MGM. Like that just to me feels like a smash. Like if I had to bet only one thing in the Super Bowl, I would be betting on that. Uh like he hasn't had more than uh one and a half receptions since like week 12 or something like that. And I think yeah. Juju plays, I think Kadarius Tony probably plays. Even if he doesn't, I don't think it matters. Like uh if you look at the history of who is getting targeted in the Super Bowl, it's normally not the number three wide receiver on a team. Like they just they tend to condense the target tree and it's going to Kelsey. It's going to guys who are actually important. Justin Watson might not even get targeted in this game. So un, under Justin on Watson, whatever man. it is, you can bet on Justin Watson. <laughs> just, just got that final kick in on Justin Watson there at the end. Um, wait, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about injuries real fast. So is yeah. that affecting you at all for the Chiefs receivers? Uh, I mean, a little bit, but the, not really. It's not affecting me in terms of how I'm projecting the spread or really how I'm projecting anything here because Hardman has been out for like half of the season anyway. So like we have a pretty good sense of what the offense looks like without him. And Kadarius Tony, you know, ever since the midseason trade, he's really been at best a rotational receiver 
And so if he plays, I'm assuming he's still going to be a rotational guy. It's not as if he's going to be out there every snap. So no, those injuries don't really matter to me. And I'm assuming that Juju plays. Is there any like one game recency bias over projection of MVS going on in your mind? No, but the MVS thing is interesting. Uh, And so I would say I I would have a bifurcated approach if I'm in the MVS market. I would bet under. I got to get a ding sound for that one. Hitting bifurcated. That's good. That's a good job there. Okay, okay. go ahead. Thank you. Oh, whoops, I have loop on here. Oh, God, we're dying. Okay, go ahead. Sorry about that. Do you want me to, to throw out more words? I can, <laughs> yeah, I can try. Yeah, yeah you barbell, owe me like five now. Okay. The, the barbell approach. Uh, you know, so so I would I would go split where uh, I would say, like, go under on his yardage prop. Because if he goes uh-huh. over, he goes over in a big way. And then I would say the idea of him having, like, a 100-yard, two-touchdown game, like, MVS in the MVP market. Right, you know, the, like old, some, old, the old like mean, mean median thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, okay. uh, no, I'm not really all that into the the MVS projection here. Like, I think it's just a typical MVS game where he really doesn't do much and he gets one deep target and nothing comes of it. I will say, you, you mentioned the kind of one-game sample thing. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco kind of interesting um he last week or in the championship game had uh the most targets the most uh receptions the most receiving yards he's had in his professional career i'm going under 15 and a half receiving yards i think there's going to be a little bit of bias there plus the return of clyde edwards alaire if that guy in theory is good for anything it's maybe uh getting some usage as a pass catcher and that means just fewer opportunities for pacheco yeah yeah that could happen um, I do wonder versus the Eagles pass rush, whether McKinnon gets any relative benefit. I guess he's supposed to be good at pass blocking. I, I try to ignore all, all, uh, pass blocking takes, but I, I guess I've seen some, some, uh, short videos of McK- McKinnon being a better pass blocker. So I don't know, maybe that has something to do with it. All right, look, you're never going to have uh, success betting the NFL draft if you're not looking at what's happening with these running backs and pass blocking because everyone will tell you that's really important. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm studying Bijan Robinson as we speak. Um, okay, well, what else we got, Matt? Come on, more. We're, we we're need done. More. We're we, done. That's I, it? I got that's a heart it? out. I got a, you know, I, oh, I got, yeah, that's I got a meeting a in two minutes. But all right, I, all right, I can, all right, I can maybe – I can maybe give one more second. No, I think we're good. I think we're good. Okay, you're keeping the good ones for yourself. I I understand. Um, Okay, so uh, like I said, I already gave all the details for Matt. I'm going to give all the details. Before we get in here, I appreciate you coming on. So I'm just going to book you now to come on. I got one more. Okay, one more. Sorry. Okay, so uh, punting, a punting prop. Uh, Yes. Now you're talking, Mike. The first punt for the Chiefs, over 46, uh, 45 over 45 and a half yards minus 120. I think if they are sort of in that intermediate area, they're just going to go for it. They're not going to punt. So if it's a first punt, uh, I think they're going to be kind of, you know, in really negative field position and it's like justified for them to punt. And they've got one of the best punters in the league. Uh, You know, like he can, he can easily go over 45 and a half. Do we have punter MVP odds? We do not. Uh, or maybe we do, but I haven't looked at those. Can you imagine like three coffin corners and, um, I guess you don't get credit for a muffed punt or something. I'm trying to think how you could get there, but anyway, Matt, thank you for having, thank you for having me. No, thank you for being on my show. Once again, I'm sure I'll be on your show again. I'll get you back on for the draft. We'll discuss that in great detail. Uh, take it easy, man. All right. Thanks, man. <laughs> 